This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda. And today I am sitting down with Ellie Brigida. She is a performer and a producer and a podcaster. And she does all kinds of other really great stuff that we're going to get into today. And I do feel the need to put out this disclaimer. Ellie does work for Clear Harmonies with me, but that's because she's awesome and I only hire awesome people. So (laughs) forgive the bias. But by the end of this, you'll understand why we think she's so awesome and why it was not even a hesitation when it was time to hire her. So hi, Ellie. How are you? I'm great thank you for that intro it was beautiful I try (laughs) I feel very cool through your eyes so thank you (laughs) <laughs> well, you make us very cool by being at least, you know, 15 years younger than me and it's it's fine. It it's just fine. brings down the average <laughs> age of our company. It's cool. So, let's go back why is Ellie a part of acapella? What drew you to this art form to begin with? Oh my goodness. Well, I know you said I'm younger than you, but the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, I have actually been doing this for a really long time. <laughs> I started doing acapella in high school in the Wolfettes. That was my <laughs> all-female, actually, most of the groups that I've been in have been all female acapella, and we I'm sure we will talk about that because... Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but I started in high school, and I've been singing since I was very, very young. I played Annie in second grade. That was my big break. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that you would have been a very good Annie. I, I was. I actually... <laughs> I watched the video again relatively recently, and I was like, hmm... You know, I now I teach voice lessons to younger kids and I'm like, you know what? I was pretty good. <laughs> not too p- Ellie is the most humble person I've ever met. Very been. humble. But I'm like, I was not too pitchy for someone who was in second grade, which is really impressive, I think. Yes. But I've been singing forever, doing musical theater forever, and singing was always my favorite part of musical theater. So I feel like when I found out I could do something that was only singing, I was beyond excited to get into it. Bye theater. Peace out. I I don't need the rest of it. Yeah. (laughs) No No offense 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 to any of the theater nerds. I still am a big theater nerd, but I definitely liked the collaborative aspects of acapella far more than the competitive aspects of musical theater, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, I can be a good singer, you can be a good singer, and we can make music together rather than going into an audition room and fighting each other to who's the better singer, which I don't even really, obviously some people are stronger singers than others, but the more you hang around with other singers, you're like, we're all talented let's just make something together rather than fighting each other. And I think exactly that's yeah. Yeah, that's why I never got really far into theater. I loved it. It was super fun. But yeah, it was always like cutthroat who's going to get the lead Mm -hmm. and was never quite for me. Yeah. So I just I think my personality vibes a bit better with the collaborative aspects of acapella because I just like like people. (laughs) Which leads me to so when we first met you, you had just recently graduated mm-hmm. and you were part of Vocal Synergy and you'd also been working with Cape Harmony for a while and we noticed that both of those groups went through quite a transformation while you were involved with them. Can you talk a little bit about how you built up both of those all-female groups? Yes, 100%. I think my approach to being 
being a music director in a group. So I was the music director of Vocal Synergy my senior year, and we went to ICCA quarterfinals for the first time ever, which was very exciting. And we won our quarterfinal. Fun fact, I was a judge for that quarterfinal. Did not know Ellie at that point, but it did definitely help her get an interview, just saying. Yeah, which is so crazy to think about now. But I think number one, I don't like to settle (laughs) in general. One of my favorite things about music and acapella is that you can always make it better. Mm -hmm. But I also think that as a director, I also like to give the people in the group agency. When you give the people in your group more agency, they tend to rise to the occasion. Definitely. Of course, I expected a lot from the people in my group, but I don't think I ever came at it from a point of this is how we're going to do it because it's the way I want to do it and you have to deal with it. It was more let's figure out how we can create a better group together. And that's the whole point, right? No, it's about the one star up in the front. (laughs) Right. What the rest of them are doing. Yeah. And even in our ICCAs, I didn't sing a solo like I did. I was just a part of the group. I did two of the arrangements in our set, but it was all about utilizing the strengths of those groups. For Vocal Synergy, we had a lot of belters. So it was like, okay, how do we utilize those really, really strong belters in a way that also like we're we're belting together, not like belting against each other. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And lesson be learned to those groups out there that are still competing that I am still judging. Mm-hmm. Please save my ears. You don't all need to belt at once. Yes. If anyone's looking for specific arranging, ways to arrange for belters that are great, in my opinion, I love a good trio. Put that trio out front, let them riff their faces off together. <laughs> and also you can utilize more moments of one person singing. Yes, Adding please. layers rather than just huge, huge wall of sound. One of our songs in our ICCA set was a Kanye West medley. Very interesting choice for an all-female acapella crew. Hey, it worked. It worked. (laughs) But it started off with one vocalist singing by herself. And if you have a strong vocalist singing by themselves, you can have them sing for 30 seconds even, and it's still compelling. Obviously, that's like maybe an exaggeration. (laughs) But I think we utilized the voices that we had and we did it creatively and we worked together. As a group, we really cared about each other and we didn't, I think creating that environment as a director goes a very long way. More so than drilling people into the ground. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, because college is the time where people have the time and energy to be drilled into the ground while they have 17 other competing interests. Yes, yes. (laughs) And um, I think we, I mean, I think we succeeded because of it. With Cape Harmony, that was a very different type of group Mm -hmm. for any of you who don't know what Cape Harmony is. Cape Harmony is an all-female professional acapella group on Cape Cod. It's auditioned from a bunch of different colleges across the country and then 10 girls get into the group and we all live together for an entire summer in one big house 
And it's a very interesting experience. I can imagine. Yeah. I was in it for three years. The first year that I got into the group, we all had second jobs. So it, we did get paid for Cape Harmony, but we didn't make enough money with the group to do it full time. Right. Even in my first year, I've always been very passionate about working full time in music, which is why that's what I do now. Passionate might be an understatement. I'm just going to throw yes. that out there. <laughs> so I, even the first year of Cape Harmony, we're not having second jobs. We're going to quit. We're all going to quit our jobs and do this full time. And everyone was like, Ellie, you're crazy. <laughs> so they didn't quit their jobs. I worked at an ice cream parlor called Katie's and I quit to work full time on Cape Harmony by myself. <laughs> of course she did. Yeah. So I quit my ice cream job. I spent time arranging. I spent time just thinking about what can we do more for marketing. I didn't even have a role in the group that year. I was just a member, but I knew that this was something special and that we could take it to the next level. So I worked pretty hard and the rest of the girls in the group work so hard as well. It's a really unique experience to be working with a bunch of other women making a business. You're building a business and it's it's just really cool. Then actually my second summer, everyone else had second jobs. I also didn't have a second job. And And I worked part-time in recording, editing. And then my third summer, I said, this is, no, we're not doing this. We are all going to do this full time. And it really paid off. And then the second year that I was in Cape Harmony, I was the music director. And that was the year that we went into auditions. And I said, the expectation this year is whoever auditions for this group, we're telling them they don't, we don't have second jobs. We are going full force. 100% and there's something about cutting out that safety net that puts people in a different mindset I think exactly and I think for anyone who wants to go full-time into production wants to go full-time into music there does come a point where you have to jump there's never going to be a point where you feel completely safe like you can't be working part-time in production and be like I made six figures this year in production and I work a full-time job you're you can't get you just can't get there so we took that leap and it paid off And now I've been out of Cape, I did Cape Harmony for three years. I've been out of the group for a few years now and they still, no one has second jobs. This is their full-time gig. And it just, it gives the group freedom to grow and make more money and have bigger opportunities. But you had to make that leap or we were never going to get there. Exactly. And coming from someone who's managed a five-person professional group, the fact that Cape Harmony is able to sustain 10 women, mm-hmm. I think is a, is a tribute to just how hard that group works. Oh, it is. It's very interesting. I will say living with nine other women for three months over the summer, you do get into fights. People fight. Conflict is just a part of life. But I feel like other people would perceive it like, oh, that must be so much drama. But those are my best friends in the whole world. Guaranteed. And you know what? There are all male groups out on the Cape too. And I bet they have just as many disagreements and just as much drama because people fight. People have opinions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Close quarters for 90 days is a lot of time. It's a lot of time, (laughs) but it was still great. And yeah, we pushed really hard and we made it happen in saying about Cape Harmony. Then actually my second summer, everyone else had second jobs. I also didn't have a second job (laughs) and I worked part-time in recording, editing, and then my third summer I said this is no we're not doing this we are all gonna do this full-time and it really paid off 
So you started with uh, recording while you were in college and while you were still in Cape Harmony. What drew you? You're such a fantastic performer, and usually we see people focus on one or the other, but you've actually become such a figure in the production world now. You've worked really hard, and we've been able to watch your growth here while working with you, but... I Yes, the bias is probably here, but you're one of the best editors and mixers out there. What drew you to sitting behind a computer essentially all day long when you clearly have a love for the stage? That is true. I'm like, why did I do that? No, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. I think the main thing about production that I love, which is what I really loved about being in an acapella group, is the music direction part of it. I love all of it. If I and I do all of it, but what I love about production is that you can take a song and shape it from start to finish. So honestly, my favorite part of the production process is the first step is the actual recording, the tracking, coaching and getting somebody to come in, start singing, and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is great, but you can make it better. And so figuring out how to push it to the next level, that was what really drew me to production. It's basically music directing with a mic. Yes. And, you know, a side of psychology. (laughs) Yes. Oh, oh my. Yeah. With a lot of psychology. (laughs) I actually was a psych minor in college. I don't even know if I've ever told you that. No, I did not know that, but it definitely shows now that I can think about it. Because I do really, I love marketing and I think that has a big psychological component. And I do love figuring out what will make the person who's singing in the room with me the most comfortable and give the best performance. And that's that's very much psychological. So for those people out there that are used to hearing or saying, we'll just fix it in post, what do you think? Can you explain why there's such a difference in getting a really good take and then working all of your studio magic? Yes. <laughs> Please don't fix it in post. So Melodyne, which is the software that we use to tune vocals, is a very impressive software. And And you can fix certain things in post. It's actually crazy what you can fix in post. But you can't really fix energy. You can't fix tone quality. You can't, there's a lot of things that make a human voice sound like your voice that you can't really fix. I always use this analogy. If my mom was singing, right? And she, she can't sing. I love her. Bless her heart. She's the biggest fan. Yes. But if my mom was singing in a mic next to me and then I, you know, took it and I edited it, I tuned it, she would still sound like my mother. She just would sound like she sang the right notes, right? It's the same thing, like, take it to the other side of the spectrum, Beyonce. If I was (laughs) recording Beyonce and then I tuned her, which honestly, I would probably barely tune her, she would still sound like Beyonce after I put her through Melodyne. Right. And same goes for if I'm recording your college group. I can't make you sound like Beyonce on the other side of the mic. (laughs) Beyonce in, Beyonce out. Not Beyonce in, not Beyonce out. Yes, (laughs) yes, that is exactly exactly the analogy. So that's what I would say for anyone who says fix it in post is you're going to get at this point we've streamlined everything so that everyone sounds in tune, which is sort of crazy to right. me because not everyone is in tune in real life. <laughs> and I would never say stop tuning everyone because then I won't have a job. But the thing that distinguishes a great group from a good group from a mediocre group 
in production because everyone is sounds in tune is energy is tone quality is strength is power right and you can't just you can't manufacture that with a volume knob jumping off of that topic I want to talk about we often get requests for live sound and for studio to sound like such and such group like we want to sound like X. Can we talk a little bit about how maybe we can encourage groups to want to sound more like themselves and not as imitations of these other groups that win awards? Because quite frankly, I'm kind of tired of all of acapella sounding exactly the same. And there are limitations to trying to make everyone sound like last year's ICCA winner. Yes, that is a great statement slash question. (laughs) And I've actually been trying to do this a lot with groups and The groups that I've worked with that I've loved working with the most are the groups that actually have asked me before we start, can we sound like us? Which... That's a good place to start. That's a very good headspace to be in. It really is. So I think the first thing is just being proud of your group. You put so much work into what you did. I think it's just shifting the mindset of what is an album supposed to do for me? And... Right. Okay, maybe your album will win awards. Maybe you'll get nominated for Caras. Maybe you'll get those things. But I don't think that that should be your be-all, end-all. The first goal of your album is to put down the music that you feel proud of and make it sound like the best version of you that you could possibly sound like. And if you go into recording thinking, thinking like that, and if your producer goes into recording thinking like that, then I think that will help a lot of that let me sound like this group because uh, sometimes that group doesn't even sound like that group when you hear them live (laughs) right (laughs) so we can assure you that that is the truth because we work on both sides and we'll hear an album and then we'll go and hear them live and we're like "Hmm, yeah are we sure just the same name or actually the same people Mm -hmm. but And some, of course, there are amazing groups out there. And I think that also the groups that we reward should be the groups that sound like the best version of themselves as well. Right. 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 Because there is a lot of studio magic that can be done. And there's a lot more that can be done for groups that have more money to spend. Mm -hmm. Groups that can spend a whole year working with a producer or in the studio have all that extra time as opposed to a group that maybe has six hours to record a song tops. Yes. Uh, Maybe has a budget to do one song and it's got to be done pretty much over 48 hours. There's a lot to be said about taking your time and just kind of having to cram it all into a weekend. If you're excellent, then we can probably still help you win an award with that recording. But when you're up against groups that are spending 30, 40, $50,000 on an album and taking a year and a half to do it, there's going to be a difference there. Yeah, which is why I say like, I think if we tamper expectations, but I'm not saying tamper expectations, like settle for less. I'm just saying like, change what you care about. (laughs) As long as you are happy with how you sound, As long as it feels like a good representation of your group, that should be the benchmark that we're all shooting for. And then the rest is just extra. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've won some Caras. We've been nominated for a bunch of Caras. The company has won a couple. But really, it's 
that's not even what I think about every day. And I wish that more groups would see that Mm -hmm. because oftentimes we are working with groups that just have zero chance of getting on a compilation or winning an award. But it doesn't mean the album is not going to be great. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be something that people enjoy listening to. Mm -hmm. But we frequently have to tell people it's like when you record this album, are you going to listen to it over and over again? Like maybe the first couple of weeks, but then it gets thrown on a shelf. And are you listening to it again or not? But when you pick it up, do you remember how much fun it was? to record it, how much fun it was to sing with those people. And like, that's when the mindset we see kind of change. And I wish more groups would kind of approach it from that way. We're not going out there to win. Maybe some of you are going to win Grammys one day and that's awesome. But not every song is going to get you all the way there. And it's more important to enjoy it and learn from it and have fun with the group that you spend so much time with. Yeah, I totally agree. And even the GW Vibes that I've worked with and they got on Boca last year, it was not even, that was not a goal. Of course, it wasn't like, let's get on Boca. The goal was, let's put together an amazing album. Let's put together tracks that really encompass how you sound live, just enhanced. And it got on Boca because the soloist, when we were in studio when I was working with her I cried (laughs) and that's like should that should be embarrassing as a professional but I wasn't embarrassed that's the whole point right of music that's why we do this that's why we love working in this arena because it when it's done right it does evoke those kind of Mm -hmm. feelings and like nothing else in the world does. and it evoked that feeling when I was sitting next to her recording into my computer so that was not something that I created in post that was something that we created while we were together in the studio working on this song and really delving into it. To go back to your other thing, that's what you can't get in post. (laughs) Exactly. Just to tie that up in a nice little Mm -hmm. bow. Thanks, Ellie. So from studio recording, you've actually branched off into some podcasting, which you run a pretty successful podcast. And it's not acapella, but it's two acapella people running it. So tell us a little bit more about podcasting and how that's a little bit different and yet the same and what kind of things you've learned from jumping into that arena. Yes. (laughs) Podcasting has been one of the best things that I've ever done. The podcast that I host is called Les Hangout. So it is, it's obviously, it's a lesbian podcast, but we incorporate a lot of music into it so I don't think that I could have I could not have run a successful podcast like Lee and I have Lee is my co-host who also is an acapella person from San Francisco I don't Mm -hmm. think I could have really created we could have created this thing if I hadn't had such a heavy music background we do a lot of original music we have a YouTube channel where we record duets that are traditionally heterosexual but we make them two women instead or non-binary folks. And the biggest differences between, I would say, music production and podcast production is that podcast production's easier. (laughs) Absolutely. That um, might sound... Coming from the girl that does it, and I am happy to push all of our studio work over to you. (laughs) Yes. It's easier because it's two vocal tracks. But from my perspective, I'm working in tracks that have 120 vocal tracks, pretty much all the time in acapella. So to have Mm -hmm. two vocal tracks is a godsend. (laughs) But I think there's a big aspect of podcasting that is performative. I'm still me, but I'm podcast Ellie, if that makes sense. (laughs) You're conscious. You are celesbian Ellie. Yes. You're just conscious of people are listening to you and you're having a conversation that somebody else is sitting in on. So Mm -hmm. I think having a performance background has been very helpful with that. 
But the podcast, besides the actual creation of the podcast, one thing that I love about our particular podcasting world, because our audience is LGBTQ listeners, is we have a very strong feeling of community because of the show. Absolutely. And so that, I think, has always been one of my strengths is making people feel welcome and making people feel included. And when you do that... I mean, I just love people. <laughs> I just love talking to people. <laughs> but when you do... Ellie may be one of the most extroverted people I've ever <laughs> I met. I really... I've, I've <laughs> taken any of those extroverted tests. I'm like 95%, which is also why it is funny that I work in my room <laughs> on a laptop all day. <laughs> I'm like, people, I need people. But then we perform together and we unleash you to all of the children. Yes, so. and I have too much <laughs> pent up extroversion. They're like, whoa, this girl <laughs> is a lot. But but that is one thing that I really love about the podcast is it's a conversation between me and my co-host, but it's a conversation that we're letting everyone else in on. And they can, you know, they can interact with us on social media. They can interact with us via email, but it's not, it feels like it's in a vacuum sometimes when you're recording. Mm -hmm. But once you've released it into the world, it feels very much not like that. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm learning that really fast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. People and people love to be included in the conversation. That's like they're not just sitting there listening because they want to listen to people talk. They want to join in. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's one of my favorite things about podcasting. And it's just created a whole new avenue for me to express myself and a new avenue for me to connect with people, which is what I always want. Exactly. So I could talk to you for hours and we always we, we have right. for the last several years of our <laughs> life. We very rarely have a conversation that lasts less than an hour. Mm-hmm. But with one last question before we go, if you were to have one piece of advice for Ellie of about five years ago, before jumping into this full-time and professional, what advice would you give Ellie, the college student? Ooh, that is a really good one. Is is this bad? I'm like, you did everything right, girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Um, No, my advice would be to say no more, which seems contradictory. But I feel like at a certain point in my career, I finally figured out, okay, you need to focus. And yes, I'm still diversifying, but pick a thing that you love and really give it everything rather than every time a new opportunity comes. Yes, 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 yes. Say yes, of course, but figure out what things you want to say yes to and what things you want to say no to. And that will create a lot less stress in your life. Because <laughs> I always <laughs> want to do everything. And at a certain point, of course. you can't. Yeah, I mean, and you said you go girl, like you did it all right. And I have to say, going back to hiring you for Clear Harmonies, we get a lot of interest in working for us. We offer the dream. You can work pretty much full time in acapella. You can sing, you can record, you can do live sound, you can arrange, you can do whatever you want. So we get people that reach out to us all the time. And half the time I like don't even have time to respond to the emails because they're just I'm like, okay, well, what makes you different? And when we got your email, it was very clearly thought out. You expressed your enthusiasm, but also showed that you had the skills to follow it up and And we brought Ellie in for her interview into a room full of not, what were they, about nine years old, Ellie? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so Ellie didn't say anything about wanting to work with kids, but part of what we do is teach a cappella. And at the time we were teaching nine and 10 year olds and Ellie came right in and just went along with it and did whatever we asked and then some. And it was probably my favorite interview I've ever done in my entire life. That's hilarious. <laughs> Watching you just kind of be, I can only describe it as like a zoo is what that oh, class yeah. was. It was yeah. like 12 nine year old girls. It was like a slumber party on it was yeah, on lots it was of a sugar. Lot. <laughs> but you came in and you handled it all with grace and it showed that you were willing to do what it takes to make it in this business. And I think there's a lot that younger women especially can learn from that is you just have to be willing to dig in and commit to it. Mm -hmm. And if you've got the talent and you've got the drive, you just have to put them together and you can make something of this. And I think as women, we doubt ourselves a lot. And I think in the way that you don't doubt yourself is something that everyone can learn from. Thank you. So don't apologize. <laughs> and you don't usually apologize for it. No. But, um, <laughs> I think we all need to just stop apologizing. And Ellie is about almost 15 years younger than me. And I learned a lot from you about not apologizing for what I want and not apologizing for chasing after it. So I think that is a good lesson from you to everyone else. Thank you. You. Well, thank you so much, Ellie, for being with us today. I think we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you and it's kind of an honor to share you with the rest of the world and let everybody else know how awesome you are. Oh, thank you. You can learn more about Ellie at clearharmonies.com and you can also go check out Les Hangout because it's awesome. But thanks for coming out, Ellie, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. I love talking to you always. That's all for this week's episode of Vocal Perspective. We are so grateful that Ellie took some time out to speak with us and we're looking forward to next week, episode 10, where we sit down with Shauna Oshiro, who is using Barbershop as a vehicle for social change. Rachel and I will also discuss some of the things we'd like to see happen this school year in acapella. Have a great week, everybody.